Welcome to Multiple Offers, a real estate show with competing perspectives. Today, we are talking about mistakes sellers make when pricing their home. Put that coffee down. If you're good at something, never do it for free. How'd you get the gig? Oh, you know, they were hiring. It was only a two-week course. I will sell this house today. What are you, some kind of real estate agent? Oh, he's a realtor. There is a difference somehow. This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. All right, guys, it is episode 49. We're one episode away from 50. It's a big deal. Oh, well, we were talking yesterday whether the big deal was 49 or whether the big deal is no, 52. The, the no, big 49. Deal is, 49, <laughs> 49 is never. not a big deal. <laughs> no, 49 is not a big deal, but if the big deal is 50 or, or 52. Unless you are right. the uh, Oakland 49ers. The why, why do you have to make 49 <laughs> feel bad, Matt? It's never 50. The 49ers had a tough go. Sports. No, that's history. That's Gold Rush history. There is a sports team called the 49ers, is yeah, there not? Yeah, named after Gold Rush history. Don't talk to me like... <laughs> don't condescend to me, Matt. <laughs> yes, fighting. <laughs> It's well, we just had up. such a good fight last time that Matt had to take a break from the show. <laughs> and uh, That's not how it worked. I took a break the show before. <laughs> I don't think so. Time, time is difficult. <laughs> Do you guys hear uh, our opening quote there for our show, Put That Coffee Down? Okay. Uh, I, somehow I was playing that Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross clip yep. for, the, for Liz in the kitchen the other day, and then my eight-year-old heard it, and she heard the Put That Coffee Down. She goes, hey! That's uh, they took they stole that from Boss Baby. <laughs> like, wow! <laughs> she's that's, like, yeah, that's um, put that cookie down. Nice. <laughs> and they changed it to coffee for Glengarry Glen Ross. According to the eight-year-old, yeah. Huh. <laughs> is it Alec Baldwin who is the Boss Baby? Yeah. Perfect. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> pretty awesome. <laughs> Boss Baby's a weird movie. Yeah, it is. Uh, like which one? There's several, right? The original for about halfway through, it's fun. And then it gets really weird, like, like almost creepy weird. Yeah, it's a ridiculous movie, but it was amazing that my eight-year-old now understands Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross references. So you schooled her, and you kind of let her know, actually. Yeah. It's like when, like, our generation's version of that would probably have been Animaniacs. Like, when you see Goodfellas for, for the first time, you're like, oh. <laughs> they stole that they from They stole a all of this from, what were they called, the Good Feathers in Animaniacs? That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got a, a big show today. Like like we said earlier, we're going to get into how to price a home and what kind of mistakes people make. I'm, I'm stealing the news from Matt this That's time. That's exciting. Yeah, so big pressure there. And we got some stories and some questions and all sorts of, of stuff. Was the boss baby, is that what's going on, Matt? That's just me saying hi. That's just yeah. you saying hi? Yeah, I did interrupt your, uh, or is it episode 50 or 52 that's the big deal? Okay. Because I didn't think 50 was the big deal. Right. I think 52 is a big deal. Because 52 weeks in a year. So the 52... Because, is we, we have... because we publish weekly, that makes sense to me. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm down for that. And I think we're going to have to come up with something pretty special for, for 52. No. What do you mean, no? No, the audience can come up with something special. You're putting it on, on, on our <laughs> listeners? You, you, you guys make our show. We've been doing this for a year. You it's guys your turn. <laughs> come up with an episode. We did make a commitment yeah. that we're going we're gonna to record that one in the evening. Yes, we did. After work hours. Yeah, and we're going to have drinks. And we're going to celebrate. Because that's what you do to celebrate. We're going to celebrate. Drinks. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. So, fact, fact, Matt might get a few facts wrong in that show. Nice. That's okay. Can, are we, 
we're so we don't have a topic for that one. We're actually gonna. I think the topic so far is just it's a celebration. <laughs> That's all we got. At do this the point. reality TV thing and do the recap and just rehash this old episodes. <laughs> like, what was your favorite moment? I feel like we did that episode already. Did we at the, the end of the year? That was the new year. Yeah, yeah we yeah. did. We did cheat and do a, a best of for yeah. the end of the year. Yeah, totally. Hmm. All right, I'm excited to do the news. Fine, you can do the news. I seed. <laughs> I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. I got a news flash for you, Walter Cronkite. I am enlightened. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. So this is outside of the scope of our normal, very local news. <sighs> Oh, Matt, Matt's you're getting judgy. Ru- He's like, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> but I thought this was a pretty exciting news headline. You can do the news however you want to do the news today. Thanks, Jer. Yeah. I appreciate your support. So this is what the Washington Post has to say. Facebook sued for allegedly allowing housing advertisers to discriminate. <gasps> Have you guys seen this so far? No, haven't seen it. No, this is news. Tell me more. Okay, so what's going on is... You know how if I click on, if I'm a single mom and I'm reading a lot of single mom articles on Facebook, Facebook knows, okay, I should show single mom stuff to this person. So there's actually a lawsuit that was filed last Tuesday in New York. And we don't have this here in Canada, but in the States they have something. Do you guys know about the fair housing issues that the States have? Never heard of it. I have a a very high level, like I don't know much. Right. So the, the Coles notes of fair housing in the States is you are not allowed to target a specific group with real estate advertising because they consider that discrimination. But they can go way too far with this. When I was in Vegas, we were talking about how a lot of times with video marketing specifically, you sell lifestyle. You're like, I'm going to go show you this park down the street. You're two blocks away from Herbert Spencer Elementary School. That would be considered discriminatory advertising under the fair housing rules Hmm. because what if they don't have kids? You're saying that this is a house for only for people with kids? Like that's how far that's crazy. they go in the states. So because Facebook allows realtors to target parents yeah. or single single moms or retirees, this lawsuit is saying that that's discrimination. And um, basically the quote here is amid growing public concern in the past weeks that Facebook has mishandled users' data. Our investigation shows that they also allow and encourage paid advertisers to discriminate using a vast trove of personal data. And they're going after real estate ads So it's, cu- it's because, I mean, that's, that's how marketing and advertisement works in general, like 100%. But I guess because the product is housing and that's a hot topic. Yeah, fair housing issue. is a specific uh, thing. And, and I noticed recently when I'm running real estate ads, this is bleeding over to Canada. I got a form that got sent to me and explained fair housing and was like, you have to agree that this ad does not breach any of these terms. And it's so ridiculous because we don't even have these (laughs) rules. Like we're perfectly allowed to say, oh, if you're a parent, this is a fantastic spot because you can walk to Herbert Spencer or whatever. Or my ad that I've created is showing how awesome this house is for those people. Yeah. So that's, I want them to see it. And I, but I also want dog people to see it. Um, yeah. Yeah, don't crazy. discriminate against cat people, Jer. Oh, cat people? People, yeah, you can walk your cat. 
I guess you can. Yeah. That's yeah. That's kind of a weird thing because I mean that's the whole point of yeah the whole point of advertising is is to go after the specific people that you're trying to sell your product to. Yeah, it's 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 kind of upsetting to me. Like it's too bad that Facebook is being targeted for it because they just have a mechanism that does it. But that is the law. I think it's a stupid oh, law. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we don't live in the states. So we're not advertising there. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's insane that it affects us. For yeah, sure. yeah. Does I mean, that part's strange, I, but I, I do understand where it could stem from. But it's it's clearly broken. I mean, that would have started out when it was like newspaper ads, and yeah. people were mentioning things like that, and it was hard to maybe see these properties, or it felt like certain homes weren't being made available to certain segments of the population. Yeah, and I believe that is a hundred percent true historically. Yes. Right. But in today's world where you can get all of this information, it is all there and available. If you want to find out if a house is available for you to purchase in a certain area, yeah. definitely you can find it. It is there. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I feel like it's a disservice to the sellers. Like if their realtor oh, yeah. isn't, I would say 90% of the time when we take a listing, we know who the buyer is going to be. And that's not a uh, race or it is sometimes a gender thing. A lot of times you're like, oh, this is perfect. Like this is a great single bedroom place. Way more women buy single bedroom homes than than men. You know, it's either going to be a couple or a single single woman. Like if you know who those buyers are, it is very beneficial to your seller to target those people with, yeah, if we're going advertising. to spend money advertising <laughs> yeah. their home, they'd yeah. rather we spend that money targeting people who actually would buy it. Like, I'm not going to advertise to single parents a retirement community. <laughs> like, <laughs> so this this shouldn't apply to you, like, if you are doing advertising on, on Facebook for, for housing, if you're doing, like, geographically based ads targeting, like, Canadians. Well, we'll, we'll see. I mean, one of the things right now is Facebook's getting a ton of negative news and what mm. they do like how they change their policies they may they may scrap a lot of stuff I, i've heard from american agents that they've already pulled a lot of the things they were using to target now in the states for whatever reason i think because of our privacy laws americans have way more targeting information they do than they we have do. they have way more information about the user than yeah. we do like they can target based on income and education level whereas in canada you don't get that level no, of No, we, we don't have targeting. that as an option. And, and they yeah. might just be using this as an avenue to kind of put more pressure on Facebook just because of the amount of data that Facebook's collecting. Um, yes. But, but, I mean, Google's doing it to, you know, Apple in some well, capacities. To me, it's, it's broken and incongruent, though. Yeah, they have all the information, but it's I, I've always said this. I think it's okay to target me with ads that suit me. The whole reason why we have things that are made available to us for free is because we allow advertisers to put stuff in front of us. Right. I'd rather see ads that suit me. Yeah, I mean, one thing I think I've said before, nobody likes thinking about targeted advertising, but I think almost everybody loves when they jump on the front page of Amazon and all the books on the front pages are books that you're like, oh, I want to read that. I want to read that too. Amazon doesn't show me books. Well, there you go. You can exactly, buy, you right? Can buy books? No, but that, that's exactly it. Amazon, <laughs> Amazon has books now? <laughs> so what's on your front page when you jump onto Amazon? I don't even know, actually. I okay. Don't, I don't look. I just Whatever search. Liz buys. I just, <laughs> no, I'm not allowed to see her account. <laughs> She's got Prime and I don't. Yeah. And I'm not allowed to use it because then I'll know You'll what know. she buys and what she bought me for my birthday. Oh. Yeah, that that is a good excuse. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> that's a good excuse she's telling you. 
Well, on that um, note. Yeah, but anyway, I mean, but all this stuff, though, I, I find it it's frustrating, but I think it's based on an archaic law. Totally. That, that I think had really good purpose when it was first implemented. Yeah, because discrimination sucks. Like that's not what we're. Yeah, but but now it's, it's it's totally incongruent with the way that society functions today with online marketing. Yes. So there's a disconnect there that maybe and Facebook is being I think unfairly vilified in that segment in the real estate segment. Yes. So you have all of our information. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's one platform that's you know it's having a bad run right now. Well, I think it was you, Matt, who pointed out to me the other day. You're like, okay, Facebook has however many billion users. They've got a lot of data. Everybody uses Google. Like, yeah. Google has all the data. <laughs> Google knows everything about everybody's search habits. <laughs> yeah, you think Facebook knows a lot about you. Yeah. Oh. The Google knows all of it. <laughs> That's some good news, Jeff. Good job. Approved. Now you want to get nuts? Come on. Let's get nuts. You decide your own level of involvement. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. I don't agree to that. Neither do I. Wrong. National debt. Wrong. Wrong. Advocate. Wrong. With that money, you lost wrong. 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 Very nice words, but happens to be wrong. You're listening to Multiple Offers, a real estate show. Okay, so today, as we talked about, we are going to be talking about how to price a home, and we're also going to be talking about the mistakes that sellers make when they price a home. Before we get into all of that, though, why is this important? Because you want your house to sell. Sure, but <laughs> let's say I'm not in a rush. Ooh, the old Ooh. I'm not in a rush. Well, that that can backfire, because usually that's, that's anybody that's kind of thinking that is, I uh, will try and get the most money and the only way for me to find out the most money is by charging or at least having an asking price that is the highest because it only takes one right you only need <laughs> do we, we want to go through all the cliches yeah i'm just is i'm that, just full on trolling should, should that that can be an episode of just real estate cliches yeah um you only need one yeah you could find that that one if they if they see your property then yeah then maybe i think if, if your place is i mean it if it's unique enough, then maybe you can get that that one person to to buy that for over overpaying for it essentially. But I don't know if I would want to base my my family's goals on moving and you know upsizing downsizing based on uh, a one percent chance. Okay, so the reason why we're bringing this up and the reason why you don't want to get your price wrong is because you don't want to get stuck on the market for too long. I mean, really, that's it. You're saying, yeah, I want to sell my house, yeah. but if you get your price wrong and you hang in there. I mean, the, the most common, the biggest risk is that you're on the market for two or three months. Yeah. How long is too long right now? Right. Where the, do you think the public would start to think there's something wrong with this place? So, no one, so no you, one has bought it. So a year ago, I would have said 13 days. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's yeah. about two months to me. If it's been about two months. Oh, it's like, two months. Yeah. I, I'd say after about two months, it's like, okay, yeah. Without it, a price change or yeah, just in general? Yeah. 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 It's like, okay, your, your price isn't getting it done, right? So then, okay, now you reduce your price. But now the 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 problem with that, that we all have this discussion with our clients is that now people say, well, it's been two months though. There's something wrong with it. Yeah. yeah. How, I think how two- many times in our careers have we collectively heard, oh, it's been on the market for a while. What's, yeah. what's, what's wrong, wrong with that with place? It? Two months, I think right now is you're overpriced. Two months is the new 13 weeks? Two months is... No. Two no. months is the new 13 days? <laughs> yeah. People have seen People have seen your property and they have decided, I don't like it enough to even submit an offer, to try an offer. Um, what would you say is like four months at the same price? Five? They're 
it's either too high or, or does it start to get, because you'll usually you'll see price reductions within that time, but is there a time that people start to wonder, like, I don't even know if I want to see it. Why has it been on for 100 days or 150? I think once you get into three-digit days, people start to... To kind of to go, what? Eh. Was it, was it? Well, then it's really stigmatized. Yes, like yeah. some imaginary made up. What they'll do? Every property has some something wrong with it. Every property has some sort of compromise, right? To, to any to any buyer. My home isn't perfect. <laughs> what? So when it gets that <coughs> three digit mark, like Jeff's saying, a hundred days or something like that, people come in and they go, "Why hasn't it sold?" Oh, I know why. It's because of this negative thing that everybody will notice. So you're saying they make up their own story. Yeah, they, they find the one negative that everybody can look past in the first 30 days, and then it becomes more and more enhanced. It is now the made-up, the manufactured reason why everybody else didn't buy it. So that's probably why I shouldn't buy it, or I'm going to be the sucker holding the property that's got you know the view of the garbage cans. Right. Yeah. So you think that, so the reason why, why a seller might be wanting that, obviously they want the most money for their property, so they, they want to do that. Um, there's only one person, potentially, that they could have that person. Um, also, they might not, uh, people are searching, they might not see, even see the property, so they could be hurting themselves in that regard. Yeah, I, I think another possible trap, that, uh, or not trap so much, but uh, danger of pricing your home wrong to begin with in this market is you may just always be playing catch up you know as the market continues to fall which may change soon but we don't know you might get to a point where you're like okay my realtor Matt Brabens told me my home was worth $500,000 and I wanted 550 we tried for 2 months now I'm ready but now your home might not be worth $500,000 anymore now maybe it's worth 480 and you were never going to get that bonus fifty grand, but you actually cost yourself twenty in the process. And, and usually, by the time the seller is ready to to commit to that that price drop, they're they're not even thinking. They're thinking like, five, "Yeah, okay, fine. We'll we'll do your five hundred. We'll get it sold." Actually, and they end up. Oh, they're always kind of behind the eight ball with those price we're reductions. Five hundred. I just. I mean, we're at five fifty. Can we do like five twenty? Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, I mean, we can. That's because that's like thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, it is thirty thousand dollars, but. Like five hundred is is where we should have been two months ago. Yeah, you know. So now, now what? Right. So there's that. The, I agree with that. Big risk there is that you're you're chasing. Yeah. And then I, I sort of a next evolution of that is okay. It's time for the price drop. We're talking in big dollar values now, right? Like it used to be when we were talking with condos, they were worth three hundred thousand dollars, and you could drop it by ten grand and maybe get someone's attention. And a house was seven hundred. Totally. But now even the most generic condo is five hundred thousand dollars, and houses are a million or a million plus. If you want to get someone's attention with a price change, $10,000, $15,000, in my opinion, most of the times $20,000 doesn't do it. That doesn't change anyone's opinion if they should come see your property. So what would you say on that $500,000 condo? What's, what, this, what's the new $10,000? It's listed at five fifty. If it's listed at five fifty, then yeah, you're taking a $50,000 price reduction. You have to get to four ninety nine. or what's the point? Does well, anyone new come and see your home? Like, they will. Some people will. They'll feel more optimistic. Can you explain to the audience what you said I think is really important? Why is 
if I'm at 550, why is 499 such an important number? Yeah, and that that would apply even if we were at 530. Totally, right? Yeah. And that's that's how people search. So I think we've talked about this before. Yeah, you know, but people set their benchmarks. You know, my budget is this, so I'm going to search up to 500. And they seem to move in fifty thousand dollar blocks. It doesn't matter what price point. It's like 400, 450, 500, 550, 600. Nobody is like I'm searching up to 633. Yeah, and, and for us as agents, somebody says, well, Jeff, the most I want to spend is 500 You say, cool, I'm going to set up a search for you that goes up to 550 Yes. So you see everything that's out there, right? So so those people may already be seeing it. And I'll have that argument too, where it's like, well, if they're only searching up to 500 and that's their maximum and we drop to 500 that person's not even going to be able to pay us 500 anyway because they would have been searching up to 550 It's more just to show people, in my opinion, that there's now flexibility to get a deal done, Yeah. right? Yeah. And also when you're at when you're at the five fifty and you're saying like, well, I just need that one person, but they might they might not even write an offer. Like I, that that agent, most agents and, and even the buyers, even if the place is worth four ninety, they're like, Where do I do I write four eighty and I come up a little bit? They're they're just not gonna wanna uh, offend they're not gonna want to deal with it like there's no way that person hasn't even listed their house at at 500 so they're not even thinking a number with a four so we'll just come back to that if it's still around if someone was willing to pay somewhere in the 500s then they probably would have wrote an offer on the 550 but if if you're not even getting an offer at that point in time someone's not even thinking that i wouldn't even pay 501 for it they're they're not even in that that same sort of sphere i think the other big danger that happens with the we'll start overpriced is now it's your neighbor's time to sell, but your neighbor got transferred or they're getting a divorce. and Or I've they're buying a cheaper, they're moving up and that property is way cheaper, so they don't care. And I've seen this over and over again over the past year. Somebody in the complex decides, I'm going to price it really low because it's got to sell. And then when it sells, it doesn't matter that they had all these reasons. All the buyers are now looking at, that's the new benchmark. Yeah. Yeah, and as quickly as those benchmarks can increase when we're when we're moving up, like we have in the past, like two three years, totally, um, they can the, the inverse can happen, and and you can start dropping tens of thousands of dollars, uh, you know, even on like a fi- yeah five hundred thousand dollar listing, yeah. very very quickly. So these are the negative consequences that we're all familiar with, and we struggle with this every time we price a property because we are absolutely not interested in overpricing any property because it doesn't achieve the seller's goal. Yeah, so that's no good for us. It doesn't sell. We don't earn any revenue for our business. Yeah. So that's not good for us either. And so so everybody is in line that they want to get it to a price that will sell. And maybe a misconception is that we're trying to underprice a lot of properties. Uh, I think most good agents aren't because we have a reputation to maintain in our community. We do want to sell it for as much as we think the market will bear. Top dollar helps us. Yeah, it makes us look good, right? And there's also actually... There's a really good point there, Matt, about in our community. Mm. I feel like there's more pressure to get top dollar in an area that you work on in a regular basis and you're dealing with other agents in the neighborhood because sellers probably don't know this, but if if an agent underprices a home, every other agent in that area is like, what are you doing? You just made my life so much harder. <laughs> like, like, There's a, a real reaction, whereas... like. That example I gave of a neighbor in the complex dropping their, their price, that just happened. And I won't bring up the complex, but it's it's one in New West in a place that I have a listing. And it's an out-of-town agent. I don't know if they knew. My assumption when it's an agent who doesn't really work the area on a regular basis is that it's an accident. <laughs> um, 
it's just yeah. how where my brain goes. And that that public perception, like we there's buildings around town that we do a lot of biz, a business in. And I said a, a business. <laughs> Jeff, in, uh, we were editing forty eight episode forty eight yesterday, and you're giving me a hard time about saying a you, business. You did a business. Sweet. Oh, and I so got Jer. We just played now. it over and over again. Except I didn't say a business, but you called me out for saying a business. It nice, was, good on. So I was yeah. just gaslighting you. Yeah. Okay. okay. I like it. And, and now Jared just delivered and, on and that. I just, <laughs> yeah. I just handed it to you on a silver platter. And I didn't even. Um, I didn't even hear it. So, anyways, there's buildings that we do lots, tons of business in. Buildings we love in town. It, if you come on and you undersell something, the neighbors will talk, and that you're not going to be a friend in that building anymore. So there is a realtor in New West who was a lovely realtor, who sold uh, down in Jameson all the time. She's retired now. I still get people who, when I'm doing market evaluations in there, are like, oh, so-and-so, always underselling in this building. And I knew her. She she wasn't. She happened to be specialized in that area. And when the market fell, she was the first person. But that reputation totally carries. That's 100% yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. But, so, but, so we struggle with that. Yeah. Like when pricing homes, like that's that's a big struggle for us and then the homeowners. So we talked about what the negative consequences are. So then then it's the trap, right? We're trying to avoid these traps that the sellers really encounter when they it's sit down. It's a trap. It's a trap. It's an important myth, though, <laughs> though to point out that we, we are in line with you of making this happen. Yeah, we want to get as much as we can, but as much as we can with it selling. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so that's where uh, we have very common recurring conversations with sellers that start with, I'll start with one of my uh, favorite quotes. Um, well, let's, we can start high. We can always go down. You yeah. Can't, you can't go up. Yeah. This one, I think, really highlights what, what we were just talking about. Like, yeah, you, you, it is hard to go up. Going up, I do agree with that part of it. If you start low and raise your price, and we do see this on a regular basis, you're in a terrible position. This is an awful place. But just because you're down now doesn't mean you can't go down way further. Like you, time is of the essence right now in, in I, a falling market for yeah, sure. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm I'm okay with testing the market. It, I think it depends on the type of property. If it's one that we haven't seen available in a while, there's some uniqueness to it, and we don't quite. There hasn't been a similar sale, and and, and sometimes we know that there's buyers out there that are looking for that, it, and it just hasn't come up. It you know it's okay to do that, but I think you have to have a plan in place that if we're going to do that, we give it X amount of time. I like average days on market plus half. That's I I often talk to sellers about if they really want to try a price that is a bit of a uh, moonshot. If the average days on market is a month, I'll be like, okay, why don't we try this for six weeks? And then at six weeks, we'll reevaluate because, like we said, we don't want to get to three months. We don't want to get to four months. Yeah, the most important conversation I have around that, and sellers make up their minds and they take very different approaches to this, but what I always want everyone to know, you talked about, we talked about searches, right? People search up to 500 or 600 or whatever it is. That first week on the market is your most important. Totally. So if your price is way off in the first week, you have really shot yourself in the foot, no matter how many corrective measures you take after that. And I just say the example of if there's 400 people out in the marketplace who have got an agent and have said, I'm interested in a two-bedroom condo in New West. Set me up for a search. I'm interested. Every condo that comes up that fits their criteria comes automatically to their inbox. All 400 of those people see it when that listing is new to the MLS. Yeah. They're going to make a decision in the first 
five, six days of that hitting their inbox. Am I curious about this? Am I considering seeing it? Some of it will definitely, most people, if they're, if they are interested, will see it in the first week. And then some who are maybe a little slow to react will definitely see it within the first two weeks. But after that, everyone who comes and sees a listing after week two wasn't interested when it first came on because the price wasn't quite right or some other criteria about it, or they are new to the New West market. Right. They might not have been looking. They just weren't looking then. Yeah. So you've got 400 people when you hit MLS, and then after week two, it's just a trickle in. Yeah. It's, oh, this person kind of now is newly considerate. This person is newly considering New West as an option, and it's just trickle, 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 trickle. And no, again, no matter how many corrective measures you take, you've lost your momentum with that first batch, your biggest batch of prospects. Yeah. And that's that's where I want to emphasize that people are like, well, start high, I can always go down. I'm like, well, but if we start right, yeah. you've got so much more power in the marketplace. Yeah, think, just, just think about the open houses, the drop-off on how many people, like if, if your first open house gets 15 to 20 people in its very first weekend, what are you going to get week two and week three? Yeah, like four. Four, six people maybe. It's huge, the yeah. drop-off. Yeah, and, and it's sporadic. That's yes. the thing is after that, it is entirely unpredictable, but we can have a lot more predictability in the first week. So getting the price right, that's where I just emphasize that getting it right in the beginning has so much more power because of the the behavior of the marketplace. It's not just about... So you're saying you're not an advocate at all for testing testing the market? Well, I think there's so much more power in getting it right from the sure. beginning. But but I agree with your it point. It depends on that, the property. That if you, if you, it's a really hard one to price, like you're saying, because it's unique and we know that it could attract a really yeah. strong buyer who maybe isn't out there looking right now. They're the one who is going to be a little slow to trickle in. Typically, the higher the price point, the more the fewer people are looking at any given moment. So you do just kind of have to wait for them to materialize. You can't expect your phone to be ringing off the hook. Yeah, but yeah. when that right person comes, they'll pay. Because it's important to mention, like, it's not an exact science. When we're dealing with condos, we do have a lot more, you know, data. Houses can be a little bit trickier depending on neighborhoods and things like that. And and even who's looking in that neighborhood. Sometimes there's little micro markets and that neighborhood's not as busy. Mm -hmm. Um, But... But yeah, I mean, sometimes you just don't, you might not necessarily actually, we're not working with a spreadsheet here counting like, okay, that was laminate flooring, but it wasn't in a bedroom and doing plus or minuses based on, you know, thousands of dollars. Um, it's yeah, based on, yeah, we'll get to all that. Yeah. yeah. You know, so um, yeah, a bit, a bit of a does matter on the, on the property. I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make when figuring out their price is looking at their neighbor's prices who aren't selling. Yeah. I'm I'm dealing with this right now on a a house in Coquitlam and we had talked a few years ago and her house was worth $200,000 more than it is now. And there are still a lot of people trying to get yesterday's prices. And when I talked to her, her first reaction, and I get it, is how could I possibly list at that price? All of my neighbors are asking these higher prices. The problem is there hasn't been a sale this year there's there's a lot of houses and none of them are selling at that price point. At the price point we're talking about, stuff sells. Mm-hmm. But yes. Yeah, I think we, that's we, a really, really common trap. Is we my can neighbor. all sit around and ask $200,000, too much money, and we'll all just sit and not sell together. Getting fixated on on the, the active listing prices. Yeah, someone else yeah. in my neighborhood is asking this much. And, and also the status of listing price. Like, I think there's a part of it that is what would my neighbors think? 
like I'm the one who's dragging down yeah, the that's price. Fair. Yeah. Well, you won't have to worry because you're moving. And, and, <laughs> and, and they're not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they have, they've been on the market for eight months and not sold, but you're the reason. <laughs> yeah, you're going to ruin it for them. I, I totally agree. I think that's, that's a really common one is, yeah. is looking at the active stuff out there. Um, and, a. And you speak to that too, like, well, if they're asking 1.2 million, and I think this is how people turn into this, this one I think causes a lot of trouble for us right now, is sellers don't start their process by looking at sold data, they look at actives. Correct. And then they say, okay, well, I'm looking at that, and I'm kind of looking at what I'm thinking I want to buy and I want to move to, so I'm going to call in Jeff. And I want him to tell me what's going on. And they say, Jeff, we're thinking of selling our house, we think we're going to sell it for 1.2 million, and we want to buy this one for 1.8 Right. Right. And you say, well, your house isn't worth 1.2. It's worth $1 million. And they go, oh, well, we brought you here to sell, but we wanted to sell for 1.2 to buy that that next house up. Yeah. And then like, can we get that house for 1.5? And now I'm using sort of, let's just say the outcome is they can't, the gap is wider than they were expecting because yeah. they're basing it on asking prices. And I, I see that a lot where they come in, they have an expectation. We really have, we, we're really giving a lot of bad news right now when we're sitting down with sellers. Almost, right? almost every evaluation. Yeah. And right. they do know the market is down, but they're not fully in line with it. And then, and they can accept that the market has changed. They can accept what they're hearing in the news and all that stuff, but the gap is still too wide. Yes. And it's kind of like, well, you couldn't afford the gap two years ago. You still can't afford it now. Like it's, it's actually not any more affordable to a lot of people in this marketplace. Now, but we did talk about sometimes you can get a deal if you if you get the right one where this segment's really far down and the segment's right. doing a little better. But it's hard when, yeah, we were having this conversation, you brought this up the other day, is just the emotional attachment. Like we all know real estate's just so emotional. And and sometimes, yeah, because they have the wrong data, they're they're just they've they've created this plan in their in their mind of okay, now when we bring in, you know, Jared Matt or Jeff, um, so we were yeah, we're thinking of selling and we're just kind of looking at numbers and then you have to drop this bomb. You know, they, they almost need some time to digest that and reevaluate if the plan still makes sense or no, the plan is we do need to move. So how can we come up with something that works and what can we adjust, right? I've got another one too. We have so many traps, we're gonna have to give these guys some hope soon. I know, we will. <laughs> I think one of the other big traps, and this is probably more of a condo thing than a house thing, is getting fixated on price per square foot. Ooh. Yep. That's, a, that's a fun one. Why does, doesn't that work? Or does it work? Do you agree with me, first off? <laughs> no, it doesn't work. It doesn't, doesn't work. You know, once you get variations in age of property where size can mean a lot different from a 90s build to a, you know, 2010 and quality of renovations and floor levels diminishing returns on square footage a one bedroom a, a tiny 400 square foot apartment is going to show a thousand dollars a foot yeah the small um, places always have it's almost like a taxi cab you know how a taxi cab has like the minimum price that starts and then it starts ticking up because the the small bedrooms get way higher prices per square foot sure yeah yeah, yeah and, a, and a 1500 square foot two bedroom yeah, not nearly the same because at the end of the day, it still only gives you two bedrooms, yeah. and and you can only sell it for what somebody will pay for it. Yeah, yeah versus an eleven hundred square foot two and den or three bedroom can get more than that fifteen hundred square foot two bedroom. Yeah, because it offers something else. You've got different views. You've got like you know we've got new ass trains. You have things going on that are going to totally skew those numbers. So to just look at at them is I think is definitely a trap and something you don't want to do. I've got one more thought. If you guys have anything else to sort of warning signs here before is we get to the good news. Is it a happy thought? Go for your thought. 
Okay. Uh, it, it, I find uh, speaking to like comparing yourself to your neighbors sometimes, people often think of their own home, right? So yes. they'll often think, well, my home is better than my neighbor's home. Yes. There's always pride of ownership if it's a condo or if it's a house in your neighbor down the block or whatever, around the corner, whatever it is. And that also ties to when you yourself are thinking of the price of your own home and then you're bringing us in and you maybe get a little bit inflated in your head is because you think that a lot of buyers out there will have the same tastes and priorities that you do. Right. You I, put a lot of thought into all of the decisions you I made. chose this home because it has a great location for these reasons. Yeah. And it has a great layout for these reasons. And I'll go, I'll agree with you. Those things make sense for you and your lifestyle. Uh, my experience in the marketplace, though, is that more than 50% of the buyers are actually not going to look at that as positives. And I don't want to say that you're wrong. You love your house the way it is, but it actually isn't a good fit for the way the marketplace is buying right now. And is I think that can be a common one where they get a little bit because you're not a, you're always subjective. Well, I pay- like my place. It's small. It's so much easier to clean. Well, that <laughs> yeah. doesn't translate. Well, my maintenance fee is lower it because like, you liked yeah. it. But <laughs> yeah, there are similar people out there. But it might be yeah, we might be an issue for people. So just before we get into how to actually price a home, like Matt said, give give you the listener some hope. One of the themes that's coming up over and over again right now is the current market that this market is a buyer's market. And I just wanted to mention, if you want more information on how to sell in a buyer's market, next episode, that's going to be our main topic. If you want to make sure you don't miss that, please subscribe on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you're getting this podcast. Let's give them some hope. So what what is the right way? And I'm excited because we might have some different ideas about this. We haven't actually gone into it. And there's no one way to price a home. No. So how? where do you start? What's the very first step to pricing a home? You've, you've just got the call. Matt... I want you to come over, not Jer, I don't like that guy, and uh, I want to know my, what my home's worth. What's the, what's the very first thing you do, man? So if I've got the address of where they are, which I hope I'm starting with. <laughs> <laughs> where do you live? <laughs> uh, the, the very first thing I do, if it's a condo or is a house, is I'm, I'm really hoping I can find a recent sale that's very close by and is a very similar product. So that's- step one is you're like, I want to find a good, we call those comparables. Yeah. Yeah. But I want like... I'm just hoping, like, if you if you say to me, I live in a condo building, I'm just going to put up your building address and just say, show me the list. Yeah. What's been happening recently? That's where I want to start. And if you say it's a house, I'm going to pull up your neighborhood and get some of the basic criteria of your house and just see if there's a really good baseline to start from. Because that's that's then everything stems from there. We go, oh, this was in the last month, and it was very similar to your house. We know exactly how the market was behaving. Okay. That's the first thing I'm looking for. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a little bit different, yeah, from condos to to, to detached houses. Um, I find like the condos can be a little bit easier, especially right now because more of them are selling than some of the houses. So sometimes it's hard with the houses of even knowing. Yeah, there's just more information. Everyone's one point two, but your place is worth nine something, but maybe a million, um, but not nothing sold. So that can be a little bit trickier. But yeah, with when we have the data, when we have more of apples to apples comparison, it can be be a little bit easier. that's just the first thing I'm doing. It doesn't but, end there. No. <laughs> but yeah. I'm, Matt I'm, looks at one perfect comparable and he's done. I'm looking for, the, I, well, hey, let's be honest. I'm looking for the easiest route. If it's there, that's what I want to start with. Yep. And then we want to build off of that and see if that was maybe an anomaly. And we shouldn't be looking at that. That was just the work I, the work I have transfer. a feeling that our process probably goes the same but reverse. Because you're, you're starting with here's the specific one that's perfect. And I like to get there too. But I, I, my very first step is I want to look at the macro 
stats level. That that's always what I, the, my first thing after I get a call is I want to refresh myself. One thing I don't know if we've talked about on the show is stats can be very different at different price bands and for different products. So my first thing is okay, this is a one bedroom. I want to refresh my my memory on what are the one bedrooms doing and just kind of go over the stats and that I I don't know why. That's like because ge- geographically sp- we're specific. different though, right? That's that's a, a huge part of it. No, no matter yeah. what, I, that's what I would do. No matter what, those I'm yeah. pulling up the neighborhood or the building and looking for a recent compar- yeah. like comparable. I leave that to the end. I know. That's why I said I bet you were the reverse because I, I was sure. I mean, you are fact, Matt. There's no way you're going to get through your process without reviewing the stats um, as, unless you just already have them memorized. But I was like, oh, we might like cross in the middle <laughs> and be going different but directions. But generally speaking, we've got a pretty good handle on, on the stats and the stats are typically almost a month old. Um so it's just not for for me, and I'm, I guess I would think Matt's the same way, um, or we might have a problem. Um, <laughs> but that's already kind of in the back of our heads a lot of times. Yeah, that stuff. So it's not necessarily the first thing we're we're digging into. What, one other question about you guys having different processes that I have. One thing we do, uh, you know how it's always a good idea to get a second opinion from a doctor. One of the nice things about working with a team, I always give the address to dad ask him what he thinks, but I don't share any of my information. We go off and come up with our numbers together and then mm. compare notes and look. And most of the time, we're pretty close. It's fun to do the independent. But there's a problem if we look at it, we're like, oh, wait a second. What are, what's one of us missing if we come up with totally different numbers? Yeah, we like to do that too. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a perk that we have so as what, a team. What's the next step? So you've got your, your good comparable. Yeah, I mean, I didn't weigh out all my steps. So, yeah. you know, but... I, I just start to go wider, yeah. right? So I go, if I've got a good comp, then then build off of that. Was that anomaly? So what else? I try to keep it really recent. So I build from the most recent then. Okay, do I have other good comparable sales from the last 30 days? I try not to expand to 60 days or 90 or six months because mm. then we have to start thinking about how is the market behaving then? Well, and that's that's one of the reasons why I start with stats. One of the things I always look at when I start with the stats is how far back can I go? Like I always look at where was the last big change in the market and I, I kind of make a mental note of don't pull comparables further than that and if I do, I need to really tell the client. Well, then you're looking at like HPI and, and looking at benchmark changes and there's, but it's... Let, let it, the listeners know what HPI is. Like housing price index, if you're just looking at that let sort of... Let the listeners know what housing price index is. A generalized <laughs> way, and I'm not a, a statistician, statistician? Statistician. Statistician. <laughs> um, but it's just looking at kind of composite all everything that's going on in the market at that sort of given time and providing yeah. an index for it to sort of show you those fluctuations um, and you can kind of look at percentages and changes based on that of knowing what was like I haven't had this floor plan sell since you know right. two years ago or whatever um, you can kind of extrapolate from that and sales that were happening for maybe similar listings it's super complicated usually we don't need to go down that route yeah um, but uh, because it can be be a little bit painful, but uh, but usually like, you know, we don't necessarily have to pull that back. Yeah, I I think I'm getting a little uh, caught up here trying to go through the whole process. That wasn't really my plan for the conversation today. Yeah, no, we we don't have to do every step. It's just to say, like, I break it down. Like, I want to find solds first. Yeah. And then I'll look at what's active because that is your competition in the marketplace. Yes. So sold will tell you what people are selling. Actives will tell you who you've got to be better than. 
Yeah. Right? And that'll tell you if you can push the market a little or not, right? Yeah. Like, if there's nothing comparable, you're like, oh, maybe we can go for yeah. a little more. And then where we really bring in expertise that's not just, hey, here's a here's a number of what something sold, because we're making this sound pretty easy, Yeah, um, is understanding the nuances of how your property is different from these sales. Right? And there can be small differences that a seller doesn't think necessarily makes a big difference. And, and one that I wrote down that I think maybe is an example that could resonate to a lot of people is that if you run into a house where somebody's done renovations and they have three bathrooms, but they removed the bathtub and there is now no bathtub in that house, that becomes problematic for families. You can't, can't raise a toddler without a bathtub. Yeah, and that's where it's important to know, too, who's the demographic that legally we may not be able to discriminate <laughs> to. Like, I, I've got a condo coming up in downtown Vancouver that did exactly what you just said. But families are not the target audience for this place. This place is super cool. Yes. And a young professional But that's the nuance it. that we can totally. look at. But it's yes. like, hey, look, I know this is going to be targeted to families. Yeah. And you didn't just take out the bathtub. You took out the bathtub and made this bathroom smaller to punch out another room. So now there is no space for a bathtub. Yes. So we've cut out a massive segment of people who would buy this. So now... You, it, it has a bigger impact than just a $500 bathtub, is my point. This brings up a good question. Do you guys do... So uh, when, when we're doing a market evaluation, just to keep the listeners in the loop, uh, there's a big difference between some realtors like to go visit once and give a price, and some realtors like to go visit once, leave, and then come back to a price with a price. Um, I think the idea there being whether you need to really have seen it before you're able to come up with your number. What is your one, guys' One step preferred? versus two step? Yeah. Uh, it'll depend. Um, sometimes people are really early on in their process. Um, yeah. And you you know their place and, and like maybe you've been in it, you know, a while ago and they just want a bit of a range. Um, you know, depending on where they're at, you can kind of, sometimes you can just do it in one step. Um, yeah. Just go there and be well, like, this is kind of, we have a pretty good idea of what yeah. your place is going to go for right now. But you know, right now it's more often than not we're we're going and it's kind of hard to give somebody if they're like, I'm ready to sell this thing. What do we need to do to give them a concrete, a fairly concrete number as, more, as accurate as possible without getting in there? Because they're their description of the place could be different. There's like little nuances like Matt mentioned that, well, I didn't know you did this. Like this can change things a bit and actually going and crunching the numbers and then come instead of coming up with, you know, maybe 12 listings that are kind of similar. Now you can actually come back and focus on like I've been in these houses and these are very similar and, and give them a, like a more accurate number, which I think is the, the key thing. Yeah, I think as a general rule of thumb, my answer is two steps. I, I prefer two steps as well. I, I had, a lot, and it's funny, a lot of times people on the phone will either just want you to give them a number over the phone, which if you're rattling a number off... That's a trap. That's a trap. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think my place is worth? Yeah. Like, it's a two bedroom. Or they're, they're yeah. like, oh, yeah, just come over and tell me a price. And I mean, I had one that they really wanted it. And then once I got there last week, I had to abort because they put in a basement suite that they didn't tell me about over the phone. And I'm like, uh, nothing I brought has anything to do with what you're worth now. You've got an extra thousand square feet that you finished and put in a suite. Yeah, I went into a condo <laughs> yeah. last week. Same thing. It's a two bedroom and den. So I brought all the two bedroom and den comps. Yeah. And then I show up and they're all really proud. They're like, we got permission from Strata. We framed in the den and it's a bedroom now. Yeah. And I was like, oh. So nothing I was looking at. So applies. like they're close, but this is actually superior. And I wasn't looking at three bedrooms. So then you like you do need time to digest just because you understand the the, the details of the home. Just kind of digesting and thinking about okay, how is the market going to react to this one? Because it's not simple math. It's not just like oh, a bedroom is worth fifty thousand dollars. Boom. 
Yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, right? So there's all these little things. So I just use that example of like, I think the bathtub is good for you because you mentioned the downtown thing. Yeah. Kids don't apply there. Um, But if you can't, don't have the option to put that back in, you could take two identical houses, detached houses. We see this a lot on one city block where somebody built a couple that were the same in the 50s or 60s. Yeah. It's like, well, my house is the same as my neighbor's house. So I should get roughly the same price as my neighbor. It's like, well, no, you can't now because someone's got to go in and spend $20,000 and go through all the hassle Mm. of undoing your modification to your bathroom setup to now put in a tub because they've been there for 25 years. The kids moved out. They didn't need a tub. You know, mom and dad wanted a better ensuite bathroom. So right. they, they dropped the tub, made this awesome walk-in shower and they're really proud of it. But it's like, but yeah, but now when the next family comes in, like this doesn't work for them. Mm-hmm. And that's how pricing becomes really complicated. Right. Let's talk about something Jer hinted at earlier, which is, okay, well, I put in hardwood floors. That's worth X amount of dollars. How do you account for upgrades it's tough because this is what i struggle with quality the, I think of work this is the hardest part of quality of materials and then design choices with color and that kind of stuff what's a, what's a buyer actually think that's worth was you know they might not yeah laminate looks fine to me like i don't is that better that it's wood on top like i doesn't i might damage easier like it, it might you know i i spent good money on upgrades in my place for place things that you know they'll be good for resale but also like you spend i've been spending money on things that i if i end up staying there a while which is always an option um i'm going to enjoy having them and, right. and liking them there um so doing renovations and things like that it's like you know how was it done and, and like quality of work is huge somebody can put in like i just put 10 grand worth of floors in my place and you're like you didn't level the floor like there's just it's not actually well, we've talked about this in different renovation episodes, right? Yeah. Where, where that can weigh in. So how does it weigh into our pricing? It depends on uh, the region, right? Yeah. So if you go too high end and the region won't support that, then you won't get rewarded. We can't factor that into the pricing. You can tell me I spent $200,000 renovating my condo and I'll go, that is awesome. This looks amazing, but we don't have a lot of buyers for that here. That's, I think, a real important thing for our listeners to understand that what you spent on the renovation, what it matters. Like it, it's not like it doesn't matter at all, but that doesn't, it doesn't equate. It's not just a one for one. I spent a hundred thousand dollars. So my condo is worth a hundred thousand dollars more. Nope. Yeah. It's, it's hard because, you know, we've seen, we've seen a couple flips in, in New West that have come up for sale. You know, I bought it for 500. Now I've got it for sale for 600, but it's an old building. It's not a sexy building. It's got some problems. And yeah. you go, now that we're at the $600,000 mark, it doesn't matter how nice this unit is inside for 600,000. I got a whole bunch of other options and much better buildings that will give me more satisfaction. And Maybe this is where looking at the competition is the most important where you're like, okay, what else can they get for that price? Because I've got a nicely renovated place, but are they ever going to buy the nicely renovated place over the same size new building that came with that level of renovation? And the lobbies are nice, and you're not embarrassed to show your friends the place. Yeah. Hang on, the elevator you... runs smooth. And, and get inside. <laughs> life of building stuff won't be coming up for another 15 years, whereas here it might be coming up now. Yeah, you could be yeah. hit with a $15,000 bill and that kind of stuff, right? So, And same with houses, right? Yes. There's, there's a certain level where people, you know, just they just can't afford to spend that much. So you won't get rewarded for the work. 
and that's what we have to factor in. And then there's the part where where the opposite is you'd put really low quality materials in your renovation, and that stuff works in um, I, I don't want to say generically, but yeah. definitely some segments of like Surrey and and lower income areas lower quality work will get rewarded. But if you do that in downtown Vancouver or you do that now in New West, most buyers are discerning that they'll walk in and go, yeah, I see that they put in new flooring, but this is not good enough. It's just, I can't, I can't reward it. It's actually more work. I'm going to need to rip it out and you're wanting me to pay for it. Yeah. You need, you really need to know if you're doing the work purely to raise the value of your home, not like what Jared was talking about. You need to know who your buyer is. Yeah. And so if we come in and it's too little, too late, that does factor into our pricing though. Yeah. Where I go, okay, yes, you're telling me you put in new flooring, but every buyer who comes in here is just going to say, this needs new flooring. And that's how my pricing is reflected. Yeah. That might be good too for people like, uh, obviously our jobs are are helping people buy and sell, but oftentimes we'll have clients that'll give us a shout and be like, I'm thinking of doing some stuff here. Uh, I need the name of your contractor, (laughs) someone you can recommend, but also do you think this is worth it? We're not selling now, but maybe in the next five years, is this a waste or what's something that we could do that would make this better? I'm thinking about taking the bathtub out, Matt. Yeah. Is that a good idea? Is that, is my area... Hip and, and cool or family friendly? Or I've, got what? Three, I've got three bedrooms upstairs in my house and I just kind of want a really cool like big walk-in closet and, and a big walk-in shower. And I was thinking about maybe just deleting that other bedroom. Like, good idea? Yeah. When that and factors, that's going to depend. And that factors right? into our pricing because they'll say, I'm still a three-bedroom house. One of them's in the basement. And we'll say, very different. your three-bedroom house here and your three-bedroom house, the one around the corner that sold for the price that you're trying to get, don't work because the young families want their kids on the same level as them. And they'll pay for it. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? So these things matter when we're pricing. So it's not just price per square foot. It's not number of bedrooms, number of bathrooms. That floor plan really matters. All of these things. Like So anyway, I think the listener is getting it now that there's a lot of nuance to it. And obviously, we can't break down every little example, but I think we've given the highlights of how we can look at renovations, how we can look at floor plan, how we look at competition in the marketplace, the importance of sales, the recency of those sales, the type of the market. Yeah. And then if the market's strong or if it's weak, I mean, somebody might be listening to this a year from now where the market is much stronger than it is now. It still matters that you don't want to be overpriced because your pricing matters there that you want to entice the people to get that good competitive multiple offer. You know, it always matters. So I think then, now that we've talked about kind of the process of how we've kind of boiled it down and decided where it fits in the marketplace, how do you make that final recommendation to the seller? Do you sit down, Jeff, and say, okay, we've talked about all of it. I came in knowing your home would be worth somewhere between seven hundred and fifty dollars and $850,000. Do you give them one number and say, this is my recommended list price? I usually, yes. I, I do give I do give a I start with here's where I think it's going to sell. I always caveat it that today the market is changing and there's a bunch of stuff, but here's here's where I think you can expect. I don't give a specific number with where I think it's going to sell. I give a bit of a range, um, and that might be you know within ten grand, but I think it's important for people to know that a lot of stuff can happen in the process. I do give a li- an exact recommended list price, and I often like like Jer was alluding to earlier, we'll talk about a few options there. I'm like, here's where I would do it. If you wanted to try and test the market, here's where you can, but we've discussed the traps about that that we've done. But I, I usually give a few options, but I do have one that I'm like, if it was me, this is, this, is the, this is what I would do, and this is the route I would take. 
What about you guys? How do you how do you play that out? It differs a little bit. Yeah. Um, in that I do have maybe one number, but I reserve that because once I get to that part of the conversation, I get to the point of, okay, the risks. Yeah. And then I, I use language of, and I'm not sure how often Jerry uses it, but it's been my language for a while of, of high side of fair and low side of fair. So there's fair. Yeah. And then so the low side of fair is where we would rather be because we think that that's better for getting you sold faster and connecting with the marketplace. Mm. And then the high side of fair is where we're, we're stretching things. You're pushing and, it a yeah, little bit. and testing the market. Now, the risk to going to the high side affair is all of the stuff we talked about at the beginning of the show here, right? Being caught on the market for too long, those kind of things. Now, we're not talking about, or your example at the start of the show of like a 550 when you said 500. Yeah. Well, high side affair might have been 520. Right. 550 yeah. is is too far reaching, right? But yeah. a 520, okay, we're, we're, we're high side affair. People can still see value there. So maybe we'll get it. But the risk is that if it doesn't happen, then we're chasing, then we're reducing, then we've stigmatized all these things. Yeah. What if we go at 499? Well, the risk to you, the seller, is that you feel maybe you left some money on the table because you thought that you were worth 500 and at 499, we're maybe very likely negotiating from there. So your best case scenario is a 495 or less. Yeah. So that's your risk there is you might feel you've left money on the table. So what is your priority? What weighs more heavily to you, the homeowner? Mm-hmm. And that's typically where I leave it. And then they'll, then we'll go back and forth. And this is a long conversation. Yeah. And then it comes to, so Matt, what would you do? <laughs> right? There's often something to that, right? Well, what do you think? What do you think? Well, we've got our number. What's your number? And I said, well, what I'm hearing from you is your, your acceptance for risk right now is this. Right. And I think that you're really you're really interested in getting a little more money or this won't all work for you. So maybe we do need to go up here, but we need to have a plan to do something about that on the high side affair. Or it's, you're telling me your priority is now. And yeah, so we've got to, we've got to be down here. One thing I always say too, when I give my number, cause it's important to know everything you said, high side affair, low side affair. I, I often talk about the range. I always caveat it with, look, I, I'm the expert. That's why you brought me here. But you're the boss. It's your home. You get to decide where you price your home. Now, it's my job to always give you the advice. So my advice is you price it here. That's where we're going to get the best results. But, you know, if I'm saying $4.99 and you want to try it at $5.20, it's my job to tell you the risks there. But at the end of the day, you're the only person who lives with that. That's that's your yeah, choice. We leave we leave it up to them. Yeah. And as long as we you know, we're providers of information and but really we're trying yeah. to make a plan for them, right? Totally. I that's that's exactly it, is it's our job to provide a plan. Yeah, and as long as you know we've given you the, yeah. the correct information and aren't sugarcoating anything, but just or open and honest about it, then they can take it's their job to take that information and do what they want with it. We can just give the you know the advice. Um, it gets a bit tricky, I find sometimes with um, maybe with, with entry level condos. That are kind of in the mid mark, like you know, the, yes. the property's worth. Say someone will buy it for five fifty. I don't they call it entry level, but yeah. <laughs> we'll call it. That's yeah, it is. We'll now. call it. We'll yeah. call it condo five fifty, and so you're not going to charge five hundred for it, but it's going to sell within five grand of that sort of five fifty ish mark. Is how much above do you go? Something that we we kind of battle with sometimes. Um, how much is what's the testing it number? Yeah, um, and what does someone need to? Where's that threshold, like we, we talked about earlier, that even if it is a bit high, someone should still be interested in writing on it, but that's a fine line, too. Yeah, because you you do need a little buffer for the seller and the, to negotiate, because yeah, the buyer, buyers are going to want to negotiate They right need now. to feel like they got in the low side of fair or, yeah. or towards them, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we got, we, in today's market, we need the buyer to feel like they win. 
Yeah. They need to feel like they got a win. They're definitely looking for a win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, if you say like, well, my bottom line is five fifty, so we can list it at five fifty, Jeremy, you're like, okay, yeah. Well, yeah. We're not gonna be able to achieve that because the buyer needs to get a win. Yeah. Right. So I think that summarizes it really well though. I mean it, yeah. we've we've gone through a lot of the nuances of how we got there, but at the end of the day, like you said, Jeff, the seller is the boss. Yes. And and the language I was using was getting understanding their priorities and giving them options to get the understand their valuation and then get an asking price yeah. that fits that. And I guess we never really said this quite so clearly. You did say it once, but your asking price is not the expected sale price. Like yes. you said, you said very you, important. You know, <laughs> yeah. Like the the purpose of this episode was how do you price a home? That's the asking price. That is not our expected sale price. And you said you get to that in your meeting there, as you say, this is where I think it's going to sell. Yes. And this is where I think we should what we should ask. Yes, for sure. And there's a lot here. If if anybody listening to this wants to have a deeper conversation about it, um, feel free to get in touch with any of us. If you want to reach Matt or Jer, they are at thenewwestguys.com. If you want to talk to me, I'm at realestatenewwest.com. And all of us would be very happy to have a more in-depth conversation. This is what we do. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> and if you're listening from you know outside of the Metro Vancouver area and you, you don't know who to call, certainly let us know and we'll, we'll do our best to help. Yeah, because we, we can... We wouldn't be able to, like, I don't know the Toronto market, but we all know very good agents in those areas. So we can, we can help you get in touch with somebody awesome. Which is someone happy. And we're going to dig into even some of these sort of themes next week. Yes. Um, and how they apply and how, and yeah, just dig in a bit deeper into, because I think we would all agree we're, we're kind of around that sort of buyer's market still. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. A little bonus material. Let's do a story. It's story time with Jer. Great story compelling and rich. It's not always my story? No, it's not always your story. What if Matt has an awesome story to tell? Well, he can tell it to me or write it down and I will (laughs) paraphrase. This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. Uh, Stop me if you've heard this one, Jeff. Uh, This uh, is about... Uh, sometimes uh, things happen unexpectedly that all parties involved weren't really ready for. And we had one happen recently at the end of last week. Uh, it came up that the buyers thought everything was ready. And really at the last minute, they get a call from the bank and the lawyer. And they're like, hey, uh, yeah, uh, it seems like everybody thought everything was cool, but we need an appraisal on this and we didn't do one. Have you, have you heard this story, Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> Something familiar about it. You jerks. <laughs> <laughs> so Matt's, Matt's talking about a deal that we're working on together. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was working on it, and then I dropped it in Matt's lap. So, yeah. so. so we, we tell these stories, though, for our listeners, because it just it came up. I mean, yes. I'm, I'm not on the finance side, right? And, and the seller or the buyer doesn't know any better. It's the, the, the funded side, the bank side, the mortgage broker. Somebody should say, part of this is we need an appraisal. Yeah. I, even if it was only discovered a week before that, it would have been a whole lot better than the the bank I feel like dropped the ball. Yeah, I think they made one. an error. Yeah, and and my conversation with the client there, I said I said, "Okay, this is tough. Um, but hey, we've all we all make mistakes. A mistake has happened here, so let's just get to work. Yeah. Let's see what we can do." And it was a best-case scenario. It worked out the best that Yeah, it the could. the good news is uh, uh the guys on my side of the deal. So I was representing the sellers. Um they didn't have another deal contingent. So even though the bank dropped the ball, we had to delay everything just by a couple days. Uh, but it all worked out in the end. It was a good news story. But mm. something like that, a lot of times, so if our listeners are having trouble following us, the, the problem is the bank couldn't finance when they were supposed to finance. And we had to extend the completion date of the contract by about a week. 
Now, this can be a giant disaster because a lot of times in real estate, there's a domino effect. Yeah. Deal number one is happening and deal number two is happening. But deal number two doesn't get their money until deal number one happens. And then deal number two is buying a place and their person is having – and there can be all of these deals. You can have like seven or eight different completions. Chain. And if somebody gets screwed up along the way – it can be an absolute nightmare for everybody. Yeah, that so money, we were, that we were money really just keeps moving along. Yeah, <laughs> we were really fortunate. Yeah. So Sometimes we, there can be no no changes can happen. Yeah. yeah. So, so we didn't have enough time to. There was no possible way that the funds would have been ready for our completion date. Yeah. So the request went from Jeremy and I to Jeff, and Jeff gave us some good news and said, "Fortunately, the seller isn't bound to that particular date, so we can do an extension and everything will be okay." Yeah, that was the first time in my career that's happened. I, I had never had a, a buyer not be able to complete on the day that they were supposed to before. I'd had a few scares where people yeah. thought that they weren't. Yeah, and and this one was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be really bad. This could be really bad. Yeah. And then it just worked out for us. So, uh, you know, we were, we were lucky. So uh, the moral of the story is... Um, you know, you put a lot of pressure on us as your agent and, and definitely, you know, put some pressure on your bank and, and whoever's giving you those funds because at the end of the day, you need the money. Yes. So, so have some check-ins with them and say, hey, is everything sorted? Because that feels really automatic. Like it always has for me when I bought, I just sign a mortgage agreement. Like, okay, well, that was it. Yeah. You know, and then I'll show up at the lawyers two months later and then I get a house. It's, it's kind of like one thing I've discovered over the years is when you're a kid, you really think doctors know everything and you reach a point as an adult. I don't know if you guys have gone through this where you're like, Oh, the doctors are getting so much younger and they're not, you're actually getting old. But I've realized over the years that you have to be your own advocate within the medical system. Like if you don't fight for yourself, you can get lost in the system. And this is true in real estate as well. We assume that the bankers are all doing their job and everybody's a professional but mistakes can happen, and they don't happen very often. But if they do, they could be absolutely disastrous. Yeah, the squeaky wheel keep you on your toes. Because the 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 downside of this version of things is there could have been lawsuits. It could have been really ugly. We'd have to cancel the show because we wouldn't have been talking <laughs> to each other anymore. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So uh, that's that's a good way of putting it. So uh, be your own advocate. Look out for yourself. Ask questions, and and people will be just a little more on their toes helping you out. And I think that kind of. That wraps up our show for today. Yeah, that was a nice, meaty discussion. So I think that's a good place to leave it there. If you guys have any feedback for the show, well, you can leave that at feedback at morealestateshow.com. Or Instagram. Follow us on Instagram. Yes. Also at morealestateshow. Correct? Is that our Instagram? Yeah, you just type it out. I think autocorrect will help you out. More Ale States How. <laughs> at More Ale States How. Used to be a beer show. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and yeah, and, and if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you're getting our podcast from. I think that's going to do it. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye. So, Matt, I don't know if you didn't know this, but uh, Jeff and I have a side project. Oh, I forgot we were talking about this. Oh, oh had you, for, had you <laughs> forgotten? Do you want to talk about something else? No, it's fine. Uh, we're just going to talk for a minute. You guys just launched, like, what, uh, two weeks ago? Mm, no. We're in week three. Three? You went public three weeks ago? Yeah. yeah. And it's going really well and super fun. Super fun. Okay, tell us about your show. Just go ahead and there's, plug it. Just what, two, is it? So what is it? There's two parts to the show. There is, well, there's two parts to us. 
having a Cut thing. to the chase, man. So <laughs> Jeff made a Facebook group called Eat New West, okay. which is a place for people to talk about food and restaurants and things and, and stuff yeah. specifically around New West. And I, I was like, that's a stupid idea, Jeff. Like, <laughs> was, no yeah. one, no one even uses Facebook anymore. So I'm not sure even why you want to do that. Um, but then he added, I had to have a full on, like, just let me do this. Like, it can fail. <laughs> just- this will just be my thing. You don't even have to be bothered with it. Um, so he started the Facebook group and then invited people. And then I tried to invite, he showed me how to invite uh, my three friends. So they're on there. Yeah. And, uh, and then, like, friends started inviting friends, and now there's, like, a couple hundred people. Yeah. And, you know, at first we were starting conversations, but now, like, rando, randoms are starting conversations, and there's chitter-chatter. It's fun. And there's, like, fights about, like, no, that's not the best sushi place. That that place gave me food poisoning. You have to go here and, like, places, yeah. some places we haven't even tried. So it's been pretty cool. That We had a brunch conversation, and I'd, I don't think I've had brunch at most of the places. I feel like I need to make a list of like, okay, these are all the places I'm going to go try. Yeah. Could do some brunching. Yeah. And, and, then the, and the other part? Well, the other part is we make videos. That part I know. Yeah. yeah. And we put them both in the group and on our YouTube channel, Eat New West. Yeah. So that's our end game. I got to make a cameo in one. That That's going to be our next episode. Is that this one coming up? Yeah. We we took Matt to go go try the new new Korean place in new, Saperton. New, new to us. Yeah, I guess they're <laughs> they're relatively new though. Well, they I've are only been there for a they're year, young. a year and oh, a bit. Oh, clever! So. Well, they're only a year old. See what you did there. Yeah, but what's their name? Oh, I don't know. Young Bean. <laughs> he, <laughs> he knew. Matt's gaslighting us. <laughs> but, yeah, but we make fun videos about the restaurants and things, and and even cooking. And the last one we had was um, our buddy Jay Hazelwood, New West Jay, Fr- friend of the show, Jay Hazelwood. He, Episode he, eighteen. He filled in for Matt. No, one serve for no, Jer. Jeremy. Me. Yeah. Episode 18. Yeah. Made a, Are you a, a team player? A wicked old fashioned. Showed us how to do it. It was really good. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah, and, and yeah, we're going to try this Korean place. Well, we have, but that's going to be okay, the Okay, so if episode. anybody's actually listening to us right now. Yeah. And they're out, like, okay, cool. There. So I'm, inter- I'm interested in food and restaurants in New West. What's the game? They got to go to the Facebook group is Eat New West. Yeah. So they can join the group and they can get in the conversations and they can just be a worker. Yeah. And then, or they can be a contributor. That'd or, be cool. Yeah, you don't need not to live in New West. Lo- there, Just don't lo- recommend places in Vancouver. We have a lot of people in the group who used to live in New West, mm. and right. are under discussion. And what about the videos? So, what's the purpose of the videos? To be fun, to entertain, to educate? It's just fun. All of it. All of it. Yeah. So, what? It, the, I think to to find cool places. One one of our goals we were talking about is really to highlight some of the hidden gems, like. Everybody knows El Santo is great. Everybody, and not that we'll never do a video about El Santo, but we want to maybe surprise you with some places that you don't necessarily know about. Yet. Cool. Well, yeah, off the beaten path. So, where are they discovering these videos? Eat New West on YouTube. No, search <laughs> Jer and Jeff Eat New West. The show is called Jer and Jeff Eat New West, show is but called the Jer- YouTube channel it doesn't believe, have a name yet. Well, you have a channel. No, it's the, got the, the YouTube name. channel has <laughs> a name. <laughs> There's no. There is no here. I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up right now. I'm I'm 90 percent sure it's the channel is Eat New West. So you just eat. Yeah, the channel is Eat New West. So YouTube. Yeah. Subscribe. You can get just get the videos there. Eat New West. And then on the Facebook, if you put in Eat New West, you're gonna find all of these, these yeah. different different things going on. Okay. Cool. Nice little side project. Thanks for inviting me to lunch. Oh, and I didn't even play this this episode. Let's just quote. You guys done? Are you actually done? Are we done? Because it's after the credits. Are you gonna play this uncensored? Yeah. All right. Wow. I mean, we I meant to play it, was it earlier. supposed to be in the intro. Price is wrong, bitch. Oh, that's the show title. 